What's going on, everybody? It's another episode here on the Factory Tour. I'm your host, Paul Patterson. I'm joined today again by Chris Miles. It's not deja vu. He's really here again. I tried my very best to get anybody else on the show, and uh, and when all else fails, you know, we always have Chris. So, uh, how you doing tonight, buddy? I'm not sure how I should feel about that intro, Paul. It <laughs> sounds like I was your absolute last resort. That, that no, that's I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I mean, I I did kind of drop the ball on on scheduling a guest for this week, but you know, I always love to have you here. You are the honorary co-host of this podcast, so um, it is an honor to have you here in back-to-back weeks. And look, I got to get you on here because one of our absolute favorite players, um, the one that causes us the most misery, finally had a great game. Kyle Pitts. He is alive. Eleven targets this week. Eighty-seven receiving yards. I mean. We got a victory lap this one, right? I mean, is he back? Is he the dynasty tight end one again? Yeah, I mean, he finally had a good game. <laughs> 29% target share, 26% yardage share. Man, the tight ends, they're such a mess right now. Between him not doing well and Laporta starting off like a Hall of Famer, basically, it's really tough to say who is the tight end one. But I think that we know that at the top, it's Andrews, Laporta, Pitts, and Kelsey. And then after that, it's kind of, you know, whatever to me. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely seen arguments for TJ Hawkinson, and I've seen people who are just like, I'm done with Pitts. I, I can't wait anymore. Um, and I get it. Like, I, I really get it. I don't even blame people if they want to sell Kyle Pitts. He's more of a concept than a player at this point. Um, but, I mean, his usage isn't actually that bad, which I know is like the ultimate cope phrase that we've been saying for two years. But his expected fantasy points is, I'm pretty sure, top five at the position. Might even be I higher think it's number one. this past week. Um he, he his role in the Falcons offense isn't actually that terrible. It's just that Desmond Ritter has been terrible. Um, but he like Kyle Pitts has been near the bottom of the league in catchable target percentage in back to back years now. Um, but this week Ritter was on it and he was finding Kyle Pitts and they had to throw the ball in that game. And so he had a good game. So that's the kind of, you know, he can have these performances. It's still going to be bumpy. Um, there are going to be weeks moving forward where Johnny Smith has more receiving yards than him. And we just sort of have to take our lumps. I'm holding on in in most spots because I still do believe in the upside. And I think sooner or later, he's going to uh, to figure it out. I threw the stat out there last week. or Actually, no, I didn't. I think I had it written down, but I didn't say it. Um, Kyle Pitts just turned 23 uh, like three days ago. Travis Kelsey didn't record a reception in the NFL until he was 24. So there is a lot of time out in front of Kyle Pitts in his career and I'm willing to be patient and just kind of wait and see what happens. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we say it all the time, but like Kyle Pitts can legitimately break fantasy where like, if you don't have Kyle Pitts, you just can't win your league that year. So I want that on my team because it's going to happen one year. And especially if his value is going to keep going down, if he, you know, is stuck in this terrible situation with a terrible quarterback, um, he's a guy I'm going to consistently be buying. Yeah. And hopefully we won't be sitting here on episode 100 of the factory tour, repeating this exact same monologue again, but you know, maybe we will fantasy football is a, is a cruel mistress as evidenced by all the injuries we're about to talk about. Um, but before we do that, one more point of, of joy is that Brees Hall also has returned to us here in week five. He broke out against the team that everyone breaks out against the Denver Broncos, but, um, but he actually had all of his limitations removed in terms of workload. He handled 22 carries in the game, caught three passes, had a signature breakaway run where he hit a top speed of over, I think, 21 miles per hour. So he is back, doesn't look hurt at all. Um, 
he's just full on Brees Hall, hopefully, you know, picking up where he left off last season. And and I'd expect RB1 production for the rest of the year. So that was great to see. Yeah, absolutely. They finally told Dalvin Cook to sit on the bench and and Brees Hall showed them why they should have done that all year. He's yeah, he's you know top six RB rest of the season pretty easily and top three dynasty dynasty running back. Yeah, I think there will still probably be some some rough games just because of the Zach Wilson effect, but you're gonna find these, you know, these breakaway plays are going to come um and he's gonna have those big games and he should monopolize a lot more of the work moving forward, which volume does mask a lot of those other concerns as well. So exciting to see those two players performing. Unfortunately, several big names did suffer some injuries. Um, none of the injuries we're going to talk about are supposed to be season enders, but it's looking like, you know, a month or more without some of the biggest stars in all of fantasy, starting with Justin Jefferson. So we're just going to go through these injuries, kind of talk about the fallout. What are we doing with these guys in Dynasty? Are we buying? You know, I wonder if we're, we're buying Justin Jefferson. That's a tough one. Um, and then just what kind of is the fallout within the situations as well. So Jefferson tweaked his hamstring late in the game this past week, and he's apparently going on IR. So he's going to miss at least four games. And we know hamstrings can be very finicky. They can linger. They can resurface. So, I mean, it's it's obviously a scary injury for Justin Jefferson. It sucks to see because he's so fun to watch and he is one of those guys that could just win you a matchup, but you're going to have to make other plans in the short term. So what are your first thoughts here about the injury to Jefferson? Yeah, my thoughts are they're putting him on IR to be really cautious. I think that this will give him enough time to where he'll return. He's hundred percent and you'll have full faith that he's going to be your normal Justin Jefferson when he gets back. So I think that, you know, if there's any sort of availability of Justin Jefferson from a contender, you need to attack that and, you know, get him on your team. Because, you know, guys like that usually just aren't even available for trade. You'll say, hey, I want Justin Jefferson, and they'll say, go away, I don't like you. But now, because he's not going to be in their lineup, they might actually say, okay, if you want to give me, you know, some other productive player and a first, then maybe I'll actually give you Justin Jefferson for a A.J. Brown or Amon Ross St. Brown or somebody in that tier. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, honestly, you have to send an offer in every league. Um, I don't care whether you're a contender or a tanker. It doesn't matter to me. You go try to figure out how to get Justin Jefferson on your team, and then you figure out the rest. I don't actually mean every league. I, I actually think there are definitely spots where you shouldn't because you probably have teams where you don't have enough value on your roster to justify consolidating so much of it into one guy. But in most leagues, I would be looking to trade for him, and it doesn't matter if I'm trying to contend. I'm willing to just sort of tread water for a few weeks and then hope that he comes back. The boost that he can give you when he comes back to your odds of winning a championship are so much higher than anything you lose over the next like four games by not having him. Like it, I think that's something that we'll touch on more later, but I think people get too panicked about having like one player out of their lineup in a given week or for a couple of weeks. Um, and when you actually go look at the numbers, the effect that it's going to have on your win loss record is just not that profound. And so I, I would be totally happy to go pick him up and just leave him on the bench for a few weeks and figure it out from there. As far as the rest yeah, I mean, of the you offense, could probably take oh, a yeah. guy like, you could probably take a guy like Waddle at a first and a second and you're Justin Jefferson on your team now, you know, something. And I would be doing that in every league that I had Waddle. I think that the guys in that tier package first and yeah. second and attack Justin Jefferson. Yeah, totally agree. Waddle, Devonta Smith um, would be a good one too. 
Uh, I definitely agree with that. Uh, as far as the rest of this offense, we have a big opportunity here for Jordan Addison to break out. He has had some solid games already. Uh, it helps because the Vikings throw 40 passes every week. Um, his peripherals have not been that impressive. I was actually kind of surprised to see where his targets brought run and his target share were actually sitting. Um, I don't have them in front of me for some reason, but wasn't super high. It was something like 16%. Uh, targets per outrun and like a 14% target share, something like that. So not that great, like a little bit better than like George Pickens from last year, just in a much better offense with more passing volume, but mm -hmm. he has been showing some promise and he's going to have a, an opportunity to run all the routes and be kind of the number one receiver because he's better than KJ Osborne. He's a lot better than KJ Osborne. So this is going to be a big, uh, a big opportunity for his dynasty value. Like, I don't think he's going to, even if he struggles a little bit, I don't think he'll lose much value, but if he puts up a couple of monster games with Jefferson out of the lineup, he's going to skyrocket in value because people are going to see him as kind of, you know, that Devonta Smith to Jefferson to Jefferson's AJ Brown type of thing where, you know, there's enough ceiling there, even when, the star comes back. So it's kind of exciting. Um, I don't think this is like an opportunity to go buy Addison before the breakout. Cause he just had a big game and people are already excited, but if you do have him, it could be fun. You can definitely start him every week. Um, and that's great. Uh, Hawkinson is going to continue to kind of hover in that top three tight end zone. I don't really think much is going to change for him. Like he, I think his peripheral numbers are kind of just who he is. We, he might see a little bump in target share. Um, but ultimately, I mean, he's he's just going to keep racking up receptions and he's going to be very productive and, and probably not like a league breaking tight end. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm worried about how Addison's going to get treated by the defense where, you know, previously they were double teaming Justin Jefferson on you know every play, even triple teaming him sometimes. So now you're going to get your top corner on Addison. You can double cover. I mean, honestly, you can double cover Hawkinson and then. You know, it's gonna be tough, might be tough for that offense to move the ball without Justin Jefferson drawing as much as he normally does. Yeah, I think we will see the offense take a hit. I mean, you have to assume so, right? The best one of the best wide receivers in the NFL is mm -hmm. out. You're probably going to be worse on offense. So I think this hurts Kirk Cousins the most. Yep. Um, they're still going to have to throw a lot. He's going to have to force the ball to these guys. So I think that the weapons are still going to be fine. But you're right. I mean, the loss of Jefferson, the efficiency drop off might cancel out anything extra in terms of volume. KJ Osborne is supposed to play in the quote unquote Justin Jefferson role, which is just like such a funny thing to say. Um, because I saw a tweet that was like, uh, Zach Wilson is in the Aaron Rodgers role, right? But it's like yeah. they can't, he can't do it. So it's, it doesn't really matter what role he's in, but he will be an every down player. I think he's kind of fool's gold. He's not a guy that I would go out and try to get to like fill the, the gap for Jefferson. He's just never proven to be a particularly good target earner. Um, but he'll be like flex worthy. You know, if you have him, you can play him. Um, but I'm not expecting a lot. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. Yeah. So it's a bummer. We're losing Jefferson for a week. I already have seen one, uh, Justin Jefferson for Jamar chase trade straight up in one of my leagues. It was a rebuilder had chase and a contending team had Jefferson. It just made sense. Um, I definitely think that type of trade makes sense. Personally, I think you should be getting a little extra with Jefferson to get rid of chase right now because burrow looks healthy. I think chase could pretty easily be the wide receiver one the rest of the season. He's gonna, he's going to be an impactful player. So, you know, Jefferson in a second for chase, I think is fair. You know, if you have Jefferson and you 
want to keep competing and you're afraid about him being out of your lineup, maybe see if the Jace owners open to something like that. Some people have Jefferson in the same tier as Jace. Some people have him in tier of his own. Uh, so it can't hurt to to reach out uh, and see. But I wouldn't really want to trade Jefferson down into that next tier below. That that kind of gives me the the heebie-jeebies a little bit. Yeah, I think most times when you're doing a one-for-one positional trade within the same tier, like I would never offer a trade straight up like that. I would always ask for something back because, you know, if you offer somebody a trade like that, they know that you value their player higher because why else would they make the trade if they valued your player lower? So if you offer something, you have to include, like if it's even a third or something, just include something extra. Otherwise, the other player is going to realize that, you know, they're getting gypped for the worst player. Right. There is a psychological component there. And and if you send it straight up, there's a good chance they're going to counter and ask for that third on your yep. side. And now they have the leverage. So um, it's not a bad idea. Maybe they counter with a straight up trade and then you can take that if you want to. But um, but that is a good note to try to just get a little thing thrown in there, even if you think it's even um, because it, it can kind of affect the mental the mental approach to it from the other side. Um, our next injury is Devin Achain. I'm going to continue to pronounce his name that way until somebody stops me. Um, why can't we have nice things? Fantasy football. I just, I just don't understand. Like this guy comes into the league. He has three incredible games in a row. Top five finishes. He's like the most f- exciting player to watch in the NFL. And now he tweaks his knee and we're not going to see him for a few weeks at least. Um, I'm not sure exactly what the timeline is. Nobody seems to know like super um, sketchy information coming out of Miami. They haven't given us an exact timetable. He's not on the IR yet. So hopefully it stays that way and he's not out for too long, but this is a bummer. You know, this was a guy who I was ready to move into that top five dynasty running backs, maybe even higher, maybe, maybe third, maybe fourth. And now we kind of have to pump the brakes on that a little bit because with running backs, it's kind of, a large part of it is what are you giving me right now? And he's not giving you anything right now. So what do we do about Devin and chain at this point? Yeah. I just want to touch on like, you know, how great he's been. He's played three games over 10% of the snaps. He was the RB one overall, the RB five overall, the RB four overall. Absolutely absurd. He was averaging 35 points per game, which is just stupid. And <laughs> even if you remove the Bronco, the ridiculous Broncos game, He's averaging 25.3 points per game. Like this dude is an absolute fantasy stud. And we he got injured in the middle of the season and it sucks. Um, yes. What you do with him is you go buy him. Um, we recently in our league saw a trade of a chain and for Saquon in a second. Was that what it was? Yeah. Well, there was a mix up where the owner was like, thought the second was on the other side yeah, of the trade. It was, was basically, yeah, but it was basically a chain for, yes, that's right. So the owner traded Saquon and a second for, uh, for Devin, a chain, which I, I would definitely do. And I would do that in all my leagues. I think that, yeah, we should probably be just be buying a chain off the injury right now. Cause just like we said with Justin Jefferson, the time this guy misses is not going to be as impactful as when he's back and producing in your lineup. Even if, yes. yeah, obviously his efficiencies aren't going to sustain. His volume might increase, though. And even if his efficiencies don't don't sustain, he's going to be around 20 points per game. Like, the dude's averaging a ridiculous amount of points. If it yeah. goes down, his, still his be efficiency can regress, and he can still be a top-five running back. That's the thing. Like, he's, he's playing way above expectation. Like, 
you know, he's playing like prime Christian McCaffrey right now. He doesn't have to be that as a 22 year old rookie to be a top five dynasty running back. So yeah, he's going to regress, but he's in the best offense in the league and that's going to continue. Um, I guess the, the one thing is like, you have the naysayers now They're like, see, he is too small. He got hurt in preseason and then he got hurt already in the NFL. Um, and to that, I say like, if you want to play dynasty like that, go ahead. I, I I'm not going to, because I just, it's not really proven that that's true. And like, I don't think that he's injury prone and I don't think the injury that he just sustained has anything to do with his size. Like he just got tackled awkwardly on his knee. Um, and it's an injury that happens to other players all the time. So I don't think it has anything to do with his size. I don't think he plays like a smaller running back. Um, and I'm not really worried about him like be staying on the field. Like I'm not, the only question for me is like whether he's going to get the work. And I think that the coaching staff has already shown that they're willing to give him the work. So yeah, I'm, I'm buying, I I'm upset cause I had already bought some shares on my, on a lot of contending teams actually. And I just traded a first and a second for him in a league last week. Um, and now he's, you know, going to be on the bench. So that's a bummer. But yeah, on the injury point, I mean, we literally saw Saquon, it was either last year or two years ago, somebody stepped on his ankle, not even touching the ball. And he was out for half the season. You know, it doesn't matter what size you are. These injuries can happen. And yeah. just like, you know, yeah. Anthony Richardson getting injured a couple times, like they're completely unrelated. I'm, I'm not going to call him injury prone anytime soon. And all the same people came out of the woodwork after the Saquon injury. Like, he can't stay healthy. I can't believe it. He stepped on a Cowboys player's foot and uh, and rolled his ankle. It's like, it just makes me so mad. I'll save my injury prone rant for the for the next player. But I agree with you. I'd buy. And also just on the, on the Saquon trade, a large part of that for me is that I'm just very out on Saquon Barkley. I think, uh, I, I think he's a guy you should run and hide from in dynasty, to be honest. Uh, the, the giants offense is a mess. Their offensive mm -hmm. line is legit. Like the worst in the NFL, two of their linemen had a zero PFF grade last week. Um, oh my God, da Daniel Jones got sacked 11 times last week. And then this week, like six times, and then he got injured. Um, Daniel Jones has been sacked like 45 times this season and it's been yeah. five games. Like it's if he, if he can ridiculous. stay healthy and like not miss games, he's going to break the record for getting sacked. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's not good. And, and so that's also a problem for the running backs. It, they haven't scored a touchdown in 85 minutes of gameplay. And I think they've gone three games this year without scoring any touchdowns. So the point is it's a terrible environment for fantasy production. Meanwhile, Saquon Barkley hasn't been efficient since like the Trump administration. And, uh, and he's coming back from a high ankle sprain, which like historically has a, a, a knock on production for the rest of the year. So he's 26 in a terrible offense coming off of an injury that hurts production. And we have no idea where he's going to play next year or if he's still good at football. So I, I, I really don't have any interest in rostering Saquon Barkley, even if I'm a contender. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Uh, yeah. that's, yep. <laughs> I could, there's nothing more to add. There's, I know you traded him away in a league earlier today. Um, yep. so I know you're, I know you're with me there. We do have him in that one league that we, that we co-manage. We might have to talk about some trades. We haven't been able to get anybody to bite, but yeah, it's, uh, it's about time. Maybe we can trade for Tony Pollard. He's been terrible. Yeah. Or we could trade for him in a second for a chain. Yeah, we can try. We can try. Um, all right. Next guy we're going to talk. Oh, and I guess in, in Miami, the, the, answer is Raheem Mostert is must start Raheem Raheem must start and yeah. uh, Jeff Wilson was just 
not activated off IR, but his window was open for activation. So that means they expect him back sooner, sooner than later. Um, he'll probably be usable too. the way this offense has been, has been firing, but I think most it's clearly the one you want. Yeah. So. Wilson was on waivers in a couple of my leagues. So definitely go check your waivers and see if Wilson's available and not redraft leagues like yeah. dynasty leagues. He was available. I was, I was very surprised. Well, that's yeah, that is crazy. Um, I will go and check actually I have to do my, my waiver claims after this show's over. Um, I am pretty sure he's on the IR on all of my teams already. So probably not, but, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, next guy is Anthony Richardson. Just like A-Chain, this just sucks. Like, he's a rookie. He's breaking out. He's fantasy relevant. And he just he can't catch a break. Um, he got tackled hard on his throwing shoulder, and it did not look good. He was not moving his shoulder at all. Uh, apparently, it's a grade 3 AC sprain, which I am told is not good. Um, they're expecting him to be out for at least a month. But, I mean, who knows with this kind of thing, like, throwing shoulder for a quarterback is a pretty big deal. Uh, it's going to just come down to whether he can, I guess, rehab effectively, but people are already throwing the injury prone card on, on Richardson because he got dinged up in week one and missed a couple of plays. And then he had the concussion in week two, and now he has the throwing shoulder. Um, would you say that Anthony Richardson is injury prone? Um, I would not (laughs) because that is not a thing that actually exists except for maybe Michael Thomas. That's the only player I would ever give any grievance to for injury prone. But um, <laughs> Sounds a little, little picky, a uh, little, did he hurt you, Chris? Did Michael Thomas I hurt you? I had a lot of Michael Thomas, but anyway, yeah. Anthony Richardson, just like Devon A. Chain, I mean, he's been an absolute stud already. He's played two and a half games. And if you average his points over those two and a half games, he's averaging 29.4 points per game. Like obviously small sample size, but the dude's been, basically QB one and it's not been close. This guy is another absolutely ridiculous stud. When you, when these rookies start as explosive as Anthony Richardson and a chain have, and you get these, these injuries that you can, people are calling him injury prone. You can buy him for now for what is not a top eight dynasty asset price, which is what he is going to be at the end of the season. Like no matter what he does the rest of the season, he's going to be a first round starter pick top 10 pick guaranteed. Yeah, I think that's the that's the silver lining for this type of thing. We, I mean, the injury sucks. Like, if you have him, you want to be playing him. Um, but if you're in a lot of leagues, this opens up an opportunity to go and try and get him elsewhere because he does his value does take a hit. It should take a small hit because you can't use him right now, and so that matters. But it also can take a hit just based on the perception, right? The idea that he is injury prone now. Here's what I'll say. I do think injury proneness exists to an extent in certain players. There are certain types of injuries that are more likely to recur if you've had them before, um, soft tissue injuries especially. But I don't think that it's fair to take a player who's three games in, four games into his career who suffered three completely separate injuries, one of which he didn't even actually miss any time for. He wasn't even on the practice, uh, the injury report after week one. That was like a precautionary thing. Um, and then the concussion was just like a freak. Like every concussion is just like a freak hit. Like you can say that he plays aggressive, I guess, and that he's more likely to get concussed. But we saw Cam Newton play like this for years and not get hurt um, until later in his career. And we see Josh Allen do the same thing on a weekly basis. And he hasn't gotten hurt other than that elbow injury that he had. So it's just like, you can't just say that he's going to get hurt because he plays a certain way. 
we see players that sit in the pocket all day get hurt. Joe Burrow has been hurt multiple times as a guy that doesn't rush. We see guys like Jimmy Garoppolo miss tons of time as a pocket passer. There's just there isn't a magic formula to say this guy's going to get hurt and this guy isn't right. Yet last year it was draft Jonathan Taylor because he's the safe pick and Christian McCaffrey is injury prone. And then Christian McCaffrey plays the whole year. Jonathan Taylor sprains his ankle. You know, Raheem Mostert's been injury prone his whole career. Or he's been injured his whole career. Now he's the only healthy running back in Miami. Salvan Ahmed, Devin, Devin Achain, Jeff Wilson have all gotten hurt. So we just know way, 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 way less about injuries than we think. And I just try not to let it enter my decision making at all, frankly, other than the, the X number of games that are going to be missed. Other than that, I, I just don't care. So I am buying Richardson aggressively. Yeah, and another good example of that is Keenan Allen. When he first started his career, he had like an ankle issue and then tore his ACL and then lacerated his kidney and missed like a bunch of games in his first three years. And then I think it's five of the last six seasons he's played 14 or more games. Like he's one of the healthiest guys in the entire league. But the start of his career, people were calling him injury prone. So it's just – it's all variance. Variance hits harder sometimes. It doesn't hit as hard some other times. Right now the variance is hitting Anthony Richardson, and later it probably isn't going to as much and he'll be a healthy player. Yeah, variance is that one thing that I like wish everybody that played fantasy would understand because it affects every aspect of the game and people just don't get that it exists. Like players have bust games, now they suck. Players have big games, now they're great. It's like, no, it's probably just variance. Um, you know, a, a can't miss prospect is terrible. It's like, oh, see, you're, you're, the whole process is wrong. Like we don't know anything about prospects. No, it's probably just variance. Um, and the same thing with injuries. Like players get injured it's mostly just random and some players get unlucky and some players like if every player in the NFL flipped a coin 10 times, it wouldn't be five heads and five tails. Some of them would get five and five. Some of them would get seven and three. Some of them, maybe a couple would get nine heads and one tails. And that doesn't mean that like those players are bad at flipping coins or something like that. It just means that random stuff happens. And so we we should probably try to dismiss it as much as we possibly can. Yeah, I think uh, Jacob Sanderson put it a really good way in one of his pods. Um, after week one, they were talking about, you know, the blow-up games and the bus games. And he said the way he approaches it is like, okay, well, what if this game happened in, like, week 11? You know, if Christian Christian Kirk had a really good game week one and, you know, ten, let's say it was 10 catches, 130 yards. It's like, so everybody's like, oh, Christian Kirk is the new number one receiver. Well, if that happened week 11, I'd just be like, okay, Christian Kirk's had a pretty good season. And then, oh, he had a really good game. I'm not going to increase his value by a ton or anything like that. So right. that's just kind of points to like the very, like you got to treat it as like a base expectation, not, Oh, this is the one game. This is what's happened in that one game or this small sample. And that's what yeah. is going to happen the rest of the time. It's just one data point. So in terms of what we're doing to get Anthony Richardson, because it can be tricky to trade for quarterbacks um, because number one, you know, you're trying to start a quarterback unless you're tanking, you need somebody that can actually play for you uh, while Richardson's out. Uh, unlike Justin Jefferson, there's not you know, where there's dozens of wide receivers that you can play. There's only a certain number of quarterbacks. And if you don't have a quarterback, you're you're not really likely to win your matchup. So you need a quarterback. And then the person that you're trading with is going to want a quarterback in return. And he still is highly valuable. You know, even, even after this injury, it's hard to get him. I've sent out offers already today that have been rejected. So is there like a certain starting point that you'd be at trying to acquire him? Yeah, it's going to be tough. It obviously depends on your situation because if you're tanking, you're more willing to take it on. And if you're contending or if a contender owns him and you're contending, you're going to need to give him a quarterback. But if you're giving him a quarterback, you need 
almost a fourth quarterback to be ready to put into your starting lineup. Yeah. I mean, you, I would be, if he's on a contender and I have, am I'm, you know, let's say I'm loaded at the QB position. My third quarterback is like Russell Wilson or Kirk cousins or Jordan love or something like that. I would love to send one of those guys and, you know, two first try to throw that at the Anthony Richardson owner and see if that, you know, tickles their fancy yeah. and gets them to move off them. But, you know, if you're, if you're, if Anthony Richardson's owned by a rebuilder, it's gonna be way harder to get him. And then if you're a rebuilder targeting contender with him, I mean, you can pretty much throw any of your competent quarterbacks at him and a couple first. And, you know, it's the same scenario. Basically you need to have a producing quarterback and a couple first, and then you might be able to get him. Yeah. I think that that is definitely a good starting point. And I think that could get done actually. Um, Jordan Love just had a horrible game. So maybe next week, but uh, yeah, Russ or Kirk to a contender plus a couple firsts. I, I think that's fair value in my opinion, because I think those guys are worth about a first and I think Richardson's worth about three. Um, so I'd be in on that. I think you could p- possibly trade a guy like Justin Fields straight up for Anthony Richardson after two massive games. Right um, now you probably could. Yeah. Yeah. Or you could throw, you know, I'd be willing to throw something on top like a second. Um, yeah. Now that's one of those moves where it feels real bad because he just scored 40 points in back-to-back weeks. And now, now our base assumptions have obviously reset and we assume he's going to score 40 points every week. And now it's like, well, you're going from 40 to zero, but that's not true. He's probably going to settle in. Even if he has a good rest of the season, somewhere around 20, 21, 20, 22 points, points per game, per game. And, you know, um, you can withstand that. If you can go and get, you know, somebody like Josh Dobbs, you can go get Jimmy Garoppolo. Or if you have two other quarterbacks that just don't have a buy in the next four weeks, or even if one of them has one buy or something, like you can get by. And hopefully Richardson comes back. He can contribute down the stretch. But more importantly, you've just reset the job security clock where like Fields is, he's on his last straw right now. If, you know, if he reverts back to weeks one through three, Justin Fields it's not going to be looking good after the season. Whereas Richardson, I mean, he is the starter in Indianapolis for the foreseeable future, a couple years, at least he already looks decent and you know, he's going to score points on the field. So I'd still rather have him than fields by, by a decent margin, even with him being out. Yeah. I mean, I think I just need to reiterate here. This man is literally averaging 29 points per game as a quarterback one. And then the quarterback two right now, I think is like Jalen hurts. Who's averaging 26. And he just gives you such a supreme advantage at the position, or at least makes you competitive with the other people that have one of those top three or four quarterbacks. So yeah. like we said, you know, missing out on a couple of those weeks to get him back later, it, it's it's very worth it. <clears throat> yeah, I'm with you there. Um, any of the other injured players that you feel the need to discuss? Or you just want to skip over them? James Conner, Khalil Herbert, Aaron Jones, Daniel Jones, all dealing with some level of injury. I don't feel compelled to uh to spend a lot of time on them but the only one i want to talk about is actually nick chubb um we've been getting more information on his injury and it's seeming much cleaner than it first seemed initially so i think if you're a team that's you know not necessarily tanking but targeting a 2024 competitive window you want to be getting chubb on your team before Mm -hmm. you know this is the lowest chubb's ever going to be the more positive news we get the closer we get to the off season his value is going to keep going up Chubb is definitely a guy I'm trying to buy right now. If you want to contend next year. Yeah, that's a good call. Uh, you could, you can probably get him thrown into some deals um, where the manager needs points right now. And you can be ready to go with, you know, locked in RB 
RB two fringe RB one type of guy, uh, starting next season. And yep. he, it sounds like he's going to be, he's going to recover pretty well, you know, as opposed to what we thought after we saw the injury, but, um, actually I never saw the injury. I heard how bad it was and I did not want to see it. So I, oh, yeah. it. it looked um, terrible, but I heard it was not a good time. Yeah. So right now in fantasy yeah. calc, Nick Chubb is valued as less than two 2024 second round picks. Yeah, I mean, he should definitely be worth less than two seconds. I mean, I I wouldn't trade more than a second for him. Right, right. Yeah, but I mean, I think that gets it done, and definitely in in some spots, uh, yep. a second would do it, or like a player, a second you know? and a player that helps him score points. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's that's a good idea. Uh, all right, we'll move on. If you want any other injury news, it's all over Twitter. You can find out, you know, when people are coming back and, and whatever. But we're gonna talk a little bit about surviving these injuries and uh, and getting through the bye weeks because we are moving into that part of the season where the bye weeks are going to start hitting us hard uh this week there's only a couple and one of those teams is the Steelers so you're not losing anybody there uh none of those guys are startable anyway but it's coming and we need to make sure we're okay we can keep our our contending teams afloat for this time so before we get into some specific players I just want to generally talk about this idea of buying points and kind of loading up your contending teams with aging assets. And I want to say the key for me is like, and I've had to teach myself this, you know, over the course of years and like talk myself out of trades and over trading is just to not panic and to not overcommit. Like I, I get into situations where like I have one league where Deontay Johnson's on IR. And then I had a couple, I had Keenan Allen on by and I had to put Darnell Mooney into my starting lineup which is never a good thing. And I was thinking like, this isn't good. I need to go out and trade for somebody that I can play this week, you know, or the next couple of weeks, because there's no way that I can win a matchup with Darnell Moody in my lineup. Um, okay. That's stupid. And I'm outing myself as being stupid because it's just an emotional game. And like we convince ourselves that every little decision we make matters and it just doesn't. Like most fantasy matchups are not particularly close. Uh, if you're wondering, I lost the game by 80 points this week and it wouldn't have mattered if I had traded Darnell Mooney and gotten, uh, I could have gotten Jamar chase and I still would have lost. So it's, <laughs> so it's just, you don't want to panic and make those types of moves because you're usually hurting yourself. You're like, oh, I'll trade a third here. I'll trade a fourth here to get a guy. And then at the end of the day, you have all these just like, pieces of trash that you have to drop onto waivers and you've lost all of your, your future assets. So don't worry about every little spot in your roster or a missed week or a bye week Um, are you, are you picking up what I'm putting down here, Chris? Yeah, I totally agree. Um, This is something that comes up, especially late in the season, you know, as we're approaching playoffs, we're like, Oh, I really want to bolster my roster, you know, shed picks for players who are going to score me points. And then those players will just bust in the playoffs. Uh, the same thing can happen, you know, in week six. You can buy a player and they can have a two-point game. I mean, you could have bought Jordan Addison two weeks ago and he had a one target for zero receptions game. Anything can happen. You don't want to shed value in order to go after points. You want to make fair trades that have a decent shot at getting you points. Um, for example, in a one league of mine, I last week I've been short on wide receiver and then Keenan Allen went on by. So I traded my first for Michael Pittman and I'm, you know, number two in points for looking like a late first. I think, it, you know, it'll get me, Pittman will score the rest of the year. He's also a youngest yeah. asset. You know, that's the kind of people I want to target for these kind of things. I don't want to target 32 year old players and stuff like that for one week. 
yeah, that's and that's a fair market trade. So it's kind of like, yeah, you've lost you lost your pick, but you got the proper value for that pick. And it's not all it's also not just an expiring player. You don't want to load your entire team up with old dudes that could all go to zero at the end of the year. Like you don't want to go out and say, like, I'm all in for this year. Give me Austin Eckler and Saquon Barkley and Nick Chubb and Tyreek Hill and Stefan Diggs and Cooper Cup. Cause yeah. like a couple of those guys have already missed time and almost all, all every single one of them is going to be worth less this time next year. You have to, there's got to be a balance because the whole thing about dynasty is like you're balancing this year's production with future production. Um, and you don't want to put too much on the, this year's side because your odds of winning the championship, no matter what you do are never going to be higher than 50% at like at best, like you're, you're probably like entering the season. Even if you have the best team in the league, you're probably sitting at like, 28 30% odds like at, at absolute best your base odds are oh, like yeah. 8 percent out of 12 3. teams there's a couple teams that are tanking and and you could have the clearly the best roster but even then you still got to get to the playoffs you got to survive all the injuries once you hit the playoffs if you don't have a buy you're probably sitting at 50% odds at best even if your team is great if you get the buy maybe you can convince yourself you're a little bit higher the point is it's very fragile you, you really want to find that sweet spot where you're giving yourself the, the best reasonable chance to win now and you're set up for future seasons. And you don't do that by going out and making a panic trade every time you have a hole in your roster. Like, I'll trade a second for KJ Osborne because Justin Jefferson's out. I'll go trade a first for Chris Godwin or something. Like, you can buy players at fair market value, especially if they have future value insulation but you don't want to overdo it and just fill your bench up with these redundant assets that you don't even plan to play when your team's at full strength. Yeah, and you don't want to buy these short-term fill-ins. Like, you know, KJ Osborne's a great example of that where KJ Osborne might be relevant for the next couple of weeks, but then what about when Justin Jefferson comes back? You know, he's going to plummet. And, you know, some of these running backs that are popping up, like Jaleel McLaughlin and um, Amari Demircado, you know, these guys, they're going to be good fill. They're going to be good fill-ins, you know, RB2 protection for the next month, let's say but I'm not going to trade a second round pick for them because after that month, what happens? They are back on the bench, not scoring points and you lost your second round pick. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, it's, it's, it's all about the price. Like I, you could trade a third for Julian McLaughlin. I'd be fine with that. Yep. I agree. Um, it's just, it's just usually the team that has those guys because they've just hit on a diamond in the rough. They're, they're going to try to gouge you. And especially if you seem desperate, they're going to try to make you pay and you don't want to do that. So you can get creative and try to make trades other ways that don't lead to that type of, you know, value deterioration, or you can just be okay. Putting Darnell Mooney in your lineup until someone comes back. I had to play Jordan Mason in a league this past week because I, I had Gibbs and Bijan as my only two active running backs. And then Gibbs got ruled out. I didn't have time to like work anything else out. And I didn't want to pay up for somebody. So I played Jordan Mason. And, uh, and he scored a touchdown and he scored 12 points and guess what? That didn't matter either. Cause I won the game by 50. So it just doesn't, this stuff is just so like micro level. You don't want to, first of all, waste your mental energy on it a lot of the time, but second, you don't want to waste your actual resources on it. So that's, that's kind of my thing with this, but you do sometimes still need players. Like it's not saying you never need to go out and buy players. Obviously injuries can pile up. Um, maybe you have a team that's overperforming because of a couple of studs. Now you want to kind of round it out and make a, a legitimate run. There's nothing wrong with that. And so we're going to talk about some guys that can help you do that and hopefully help you get them at a, at a fair market price. Um, my idea for this is to kind of split it into multiple different tiers of like higher end players, 
kind of mid-range players and then guys you can get on the cheap if you really just need a little bit of production um, or for a shorter period of time. Chris did not follow my directions very closely, and so he doesn't have a high-end buy. Um, he thinks he does, but he doesn't because this player is not that expensive. So we're going to we're gonna save that one for now. I'll go with my first one, which I think would definitely be the most expensive player uh, out of this group, and that's Keenan Allen. So Keenan Allen is currently the wide receiver two in points per game. Uh, he just, he's coming off his bye week, so you don't have to worry about that for the rest of the year. And I mean, he's just been awesome. Uh, he's earning tons of targets like he always does. Mike Williams is out for the season. Josh Palmer is Josh Palmer. Quentin Johnston might be worse than Josh Palmer. So it's it's a good time for Keenan Allen and, and his fantasy managers. Uh, the Chargers are throwing a lot. They're in competitive games. And Keenan Allen doesn't look like he's lost any any of his, you know, former glory. So I don't I don't think wide receiver two overall keeps up, but I'm definitely comfortable if you want to go send like I don't know, a lesser receiver and a second. Uh I could even be talked into a late first because he's just playing on another level right now. Yeah, I mean Keenan Allen's one been one of my favorite players ever since started fantasy football. The dude is just so consistent, so productive. He's in such a great situation with this Chargers offense and Justin Herbert, especially with, you know, Mike Williams being out for the year and Quentin Johnson not doing much so far. I mean, Keenan Allen is the lone guy in that offense. Austin Eckler getting back will probably mitigate some of that. You know, he'll take some targets, he'll take some touchdowns. But, I mean, still, Keenan Allen, he's a bona fide wide receiver one rest of season so easily. And, yeah, I would, I would, I would pay him a late first for him to get him on my team, yeah. Yeah. My first, my goal would be to avoid actually using a first, but yeah. around that type of value is fair. Um, I would be trying to take like a younger player that maybe still is perceived to have some value or some upside where I'm just kind of not very excited anymore, like a Jahan Dotson and try to trade him for Keenan Allen, even add a plus on top. What about um, like a Jerry then, Judy? Jerry Judy in a second. Yeah. I wouldn't add a second. I think you could get that done more or less straight up, I think, with Jerry Judy. Okay. Um, yeah, I would do that though. I would definitely do that. Chris Godwin is another one. Um, yeah, so those types of players, or even like if you have a younger wide receiver like Marvin Mims, there's a little bit of excitement. Maybe Keenan Allen's on a team that's sort of falling down the standings. You could try to trade like a Marvin Mims or a Josh Downs with a little plus on top for Keenan. These are there's a lot of ways to get wide receivers. Uh, there's just a lot of ways to make trades that way, and um, and I think he's an ideal target. You know, if yeah, that was a great it, point too. Everything's so league and team dependent. Basically, in all my contenders, every week I go and I look at the bottom of the standings and I check yeah. their teams and see if they have any competitive players on it. Because these one in four teams, they are looking to shed those points. And if you're contending, you should be looking at the bottom of the leagues. And if you're rebuilding, you should be looking at the top of the leagues and seeing if they have any injured players or if they have any holes in their roster, if they suffered any important injuries, yeah. so looking to replace a hole. It's, you got you got to go through and you got to look at the other teams. That's going to get you so much more trades and so much more value. Definitely. If you're willing to, to hustle and put in the work, you can get a lot of trades done. Like I've sent out so many cold offers that have led to completed trades. I think I've made 34 trades since the start of the season. Um, for reference, I'm in 18 dynasty leagues. So, you know, you can scale that back to, to whatever number you're in, but I send out a lot of offers every week and I do exactly that. I go and look and see, you know, if we have compatible teams, it's very rare that I'm making contender trades with other contending teams or rebuilding trades with other rebuilding teams. Sometimes that happens if I just think like the evaluation on a player is wrong. Um, but usually it's 
trying to match, you know, two needs together and, and create these very compatible deals. And you can definitely do it that way. If you have good relationships in your league, I, I just, I, sometimes I just send out DMS. Like if a player, if a team's two and three, be like, Hey, like, I don't know what you think about this team. You know, you just lost Devon a chain. Maybe you're thinking of re rebooting. If so, like, I like all these guys, let's make a trade. If not, you know, whatever. And they'll be like, yeah, you're not yet. Maybe next week. I'm like, okay, let me know because I want to be the first customer. Like I want to get the, I want to get the best deal. So yeah, you know, go out and knock on some doors and uh, you might find some good deals, but that's Keenan Allen. Why don't you go ahead and name your first player? Uh, I kind of already talked about Michael Pittman because um, I brought him up, you know, I made a deal with him recently. The other player I liked to highlight was Raheem Mostert. Um, I think his value might be pumping right now with the chain injury, <laughs> and we're not sure when Jeff Wilson's going to be coming back. I mean, Mostert's, I think, like the RB2 in fantasy right now. Like, it, it's it's just, and that's with A-chain sharing the backfield. So Mostert by himself with no competition. I mean, this dude's going to be an absolute stud for the next coming weeks. And even once A-chain returns, I think he'll still be, you know, at least a mid to high RB2 with how this offense has been going. So I'm I'm great investing picks into Mostert and using him on my competitive teams. Yeah, he just had a he just had a pretty big game sharing the field with Mostert this past week. Um, so I agree with you there. I just don't know. I mean, it's going to depend on the league, but I don't actually know how expensive he is. Like, I think a second round pick gets you Mostert in most spots. Um, I don't think so. I really don't no. think so. But with not, if, not if he's owned by a contender. Yeah, if he's owned by a contender, you might as well not ask. I, I mean, yeah, that's kind yeah. of like that you have a 31 year old running back who falls into workhorse touches. That's like dream scenario for a contending right. team. I, I, I've approached rebuilding teams about Kyron Williams, and they want a first. So I think if people are asking for that for Kyron, Mostert's well, going to be requested for a first. I mean, also. those people are out of their minds, but, but also these are the Kyron people Williams we play with. Is, but Kyron Williams is 23, so I think that's the difference. Is like okay. people, those yeah. people have their head buried in the sand, and they don't know that he's dead last in rushing yards over expected per attempt, and they think that he's good, um, and they and they think they have a stud on their hands for years to come. But I, I think with Mostert, if it's a rebuilding team, like they know the writing's on the wall. Like the end. If you can here. get Mostert for a second, absolutely 100 do it. I will definitely say that. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. You should go ask at least. It can't hurt to ask. Um, he yep. is RB5 on the season, by the way. He's behind Zach Moss. So, I mean, how good could he be, really? I'm just kidding. Zach Moss might be the RB1 in Dynasty right now. So, no, I'm just kidding. He's actually, uh, A-Chain's got 25.7 points per game. Mostert's at 21.2. But both of them have been outrageous. And I think that's a, a great guy to go look into. I'll throw out another running back who just came back from a suspension two weeks ago and he's been an absolute workhorse. Uh, that's Alvin Kamara. He had a super, he's had a couple of super weird games because Derek Carr has been dealing with a shoulder injury. Um, it was really bad the first week. And so he was the, just the dump off machine. Uh, Kamara caught 13 passes for like 30 yards, um, which is great for PPR formats. And then this past week they blew out the Patriots and they didn't really have to throw much. So he, he handled 22 carries scored a touchdown. He doesn't look, like totally washed. He doesn't look Dalvin cooked. Um, he seems pretty, pretty solid. So that's a guy where he's older um, and he's not as exciting anymore as he once was. It's kind of a boring team. And, you know, maybe you can go steal him away from a contender. I guess the question is, would you rather have Mostert or Kamara and dynasty right now? Nah, that's a tough one. I think I'd rather have Kamara um, just because we know that he's kind of the lead dog of the backfield. And he will be that the rest of the season. He might even be that yeah. going in the next year. 
Uh, but Mostert, I mean, his job is going to be taken by all the A chain so quickly. So yeah, I think I would. Yeah. I'd rather have Camara. I agree with you. That is the correct answer. I just wanted to see where you're at. Um, yeah. It, yeah, I think Mostert probably outscores him for the next few weeks. Oh yeah. But it it's not certainly not a guarantee. And once A chain's back, I think you you want Camara. And Camara is young enough that he could still have you know useful seasons in the future. It's just not a guarantee. So. Yeah, he's what you, four years younger than Mostert, I think, right now. Yeah, he's twenty. I think he's twenty-seven. Uh, I think maybe, maybe almost twenty-eight. So, it's one of those things where you you want to buy under the assumption that you just get nothing after this year. You have to be mm-hmm. okay with that if that happens. But he has the chance to to stick around or or land on another team and and keep producing, you know, somewhat. Um, but for now, he he looks good. They're not really working Kendra Miller in very much. Jamal Williams is out. Uh, on the IR, but I don't know when he's coming back. And he also wasn't good before he went out. So they might just let Kamara, you know, run with it for the full year. And, uh, and that would be very, very lucrative. I think you need to spend more than a second to get him. I would not send a first like under any circumstances. I don't care if you think it's the one twelve. I would not send a first for him, but if you can trade a second and a player, you know, you can trade a second and Jaleel McLaughlin, or you can trade a second and, Shoot, I don't know. Uh, if you could trade like Miles Sanders for him straight up, something like that, uh, oh, yeah. Rashad Rashad White, I would do that because these are running backs that are that are younger, but they're also bad, and so it doesn't matter that they're younger. Um, I would definitely, I would definitely make that pivot. Yeah, I agree with those names you called out. All right, give me another buy. We'll move into the so the Camara was kind of my mid range buy. I think him and Mostert are in the same vicinity Kamara's is a little more expensive um let's move on to the did you have a mid-range another mid-range guy or were you were your other guys all like bargain bin options you yeah decide. i think another mid-range guy i kind of i had two here like in michael thomas and zay jones they're kind of similar they've just been kind of like productive wide receivers where you can throw them in your flex and you can expect about you know 10 points per game on most weeks I just think that these guys are, you know, going to be productive the rest of the season and they have opportunity to be, you know, usable flex pieces through your buys next year also. So but I isn't like Michael Thomas them. injury prone? Um, well, he used to be. Not anymore. He used to He's be. healthy. Yeah. Funny how that works. Yep. He used to be injury prone and now he is uh he is bulletproof. And now he's on my buy list. Um, That's how that full yeah. circle. Well, I'll throw another wide receiver into this mix that I, I think is probably the best of the three. Um and and pro- also probably the most expensive of the three at this point, and that's Jacoby Myers. So I think all of these guys are kind of in the in a similar vein. Uh, but Myers has just been running very very hot. He's currently the wide receiver sixteen in points per game, um, and the offense in Las Vegas is just so consolidated around him, Adams, and Jacobs that I think that this is more or less going to continue the rest of the year. I mean, I don't think he'll he'll stick at wide receiver sixteen, but high, you know, mid wide receiver two, low end wide receiver two. And I don't think he's that expensive. He just doesn't have a lot of brand equity. He never has. He's always had a high target share. He's always been, you know, quietly productive, but he's never been a very exciting player. So probably a little more expensive than Michael Thomas and Zay Jones, but, but not by a lot. And I think all three of those guys can definitely help you through the bye weeks and they're not going to break the bank. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And that, um, that brings me to my bargain bin here, Paul, my, you know, dirt cheap mm-hmm. buy of the week, which is yeah. justice Hill. Oh, so gross. I just traded 15 fab for justice Hill in one of my leagues. That that's how cheap this guy is. Okay. All right. You know, the context of that trade, 
What, there is why. no context. I traded there's, 15 fab for him. There's so much context. The context <laughs> is that this is a league that for some reason does not base its draft order on max points, and it is based on record. And I am in the fight of my life with another team to get Caleb Williams, and we face off this week. And it's just a race to see who can get every single player off of their roster by Sunday because whoever loses this game is going to get Caleb Williams. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure he would have taken, like, a bubblegum wrapper for Justice Hill. Um, he's not offering anything. That being said, Justice Hill is cheap. You can definitely get him for a fourth in any yep. league unless they're, like, Justice Hill's mom or something. <laughs> but, and no, for real, like, Justice Hill, he's played yeah. two full games for the Ravens, and he scored 13 points and 10.5 points in both those games. Yeah. Um, I think he he can – he's – the Ravens coaching staff clearly likes him. They've been yeah. running him as their feature back when he's healthy. And, you know, this is the kind of coaching staff, too, where if Justice Hill fumbles, they're not going to punish him and bench him the rest of the game. They're going to say, get back out there and just score a touchdown instead. So yeah. it, this, this seriously is a guy where if you need your bye week fill-ins, and he's super cheap. You can get him, like Paul said, for a fourth. If you can't get him for a fourth, maybe it's two fourths, you know. It's, but Justice Hill, he's going to be productive for the rest of the season, too. So it's what's he the, is a guy that I like to buy really cheap. What's the deal with Gus Edwards? I don't know. The coaches don't like him. I really don't. I can't okay. tell you. So Hill's playing like a lot more than him, getting more yeah. touches than him. Okay. Hill's playing a lot more. I haven't been monitoring that. They're so giving Hill playing. the goal line work. They're giving Hill the third down work. And they're giving Hill the between the 20s work. Gus, Gus Edwards that's all, is That's all the work. That's all of it. Gus Edwards is only on the field if it's third and two or less. That is it. Okay, gotcha. So, that yeah, okay, fair enough. I think that's uh, that's legit. Um, I guess I didn't have a legitimate bargain bin option because I had Jacoby Myers was my cheapest guy, and that's not really that It's not really that cheap. Yeah, I'll, I'll throw out Josh Dobbs. You know, if you can still go get Josh Dobbs pretty cheap in your leagues, uh, he's been pr- pretty productive. He's actually been, like, not terrible either. Um, might be playing yeah. himself into some into some future starts, maybe with the Cardinals, maybe somewhere else. But if you can still get him for like a third round pick, I think he's a very viable option and somebody you can use as like a bridge quarterback if you're waiting for Richardson, um, or maybe you just have Bryce Young and you can't play him because he's awful. Um, these are, these are some options. So Josh Dobbs. Uh, all right, we're See, also going to do. Dobbs actually is the kind of guy where if you like we were talking about earlier, if you trade for Anthony Richardson and yeah. then you go trade for Dobbs from someone else just for really cheap, just to have a fill-in spot until Richardson comes back. That that's a great guy to go and target. Yeah, and and the extra that you pay to get Dobbs is going to be made up by the discount you're getting on Richardson, so it's worth it. Um, let's throw out two names that are what I'm calling trap plays. They're they're guys you would think as a contender, maybe you should go by, but it's not going to be worth the cost of admission. Um, Saquon Barkley comes to mind as like a perfect example of this, but I already, I already dragged his name through the mud. So I'm going to go ahead and throw out George Kittle as well as a, as a trap play, a guy that I'm, I'm not really interested in buying on a contender. Like if a rebuilder has George Kittle and they're like, I, you know, they still want a first or they still want like something very valuable for him. I'm not going to pay. I'm not paying his, his perceived market price, because I think he's still viewed as this elite player. Um, he just had a big game. And so I just don't think you're going to be able to get him. Like it's all about price. If someone's going to trade him to you for a second, then, then go buy him. But at his current market value, I think he's a trap. He's only had, I was, this was just on JJ Zacharyson's pod today. So I'm stealing this um, in Purdy's 13 starts for the 49ers. George Kittle has topped 30 receiving yards in four of them. 
So he just isn't like, I don't know if Purdy just doesn't like him as a, as a weapon, or maybe he's lost a step. They're using him differently. I don't know, but it's, it's not going to be consistent and it's going to be a lot of really meh games in between a couple of blow up games. Yeah. I mean, his production, I don't want to call it fraudulent, but like the dude had three catches and three touchdowns this week. That's just obviously not sustainable. And <laughs> we've seen every week with this 49ers offense, whether it's like Ayuk pops off or Debo pops off or CMC pops off. It almost looks like they're going right down the row and they're just going to repeat and go back to Ayuk next week. But it's just George Kittle, like Paul said, he's he's not actually getting high reception chairs or anything. He just he lucks into touchdowns sometimes. And that's not the kind of guy that we should be paying elite prices for. Yeah, I, I don't want to buy him high. Um, <clears throat> if I'm not paying up for Andrews, um, I mean, even Hawkinson, like I, I, I'm kind of fine with Hawkinson at this point because I know he's going to get the volume. Um, but if I'm not getting Andrews, Hawkinson, Kelsey, I'm just going to pay down. I'm just going to go down. Like I'll go down to Evan Ingram. I'll go down further than that. I'll play. Oh gosh. Who can you play at tight end? Nobody. Uh, Jake Ferguson. I'll Logan play Thomas. Kate Otten. I'll play Hunter Henry. I just, I'm not paying a first round pick for George Kittle at this point. So yeah. he's a trap. Give me your trap. I don't think I agree with it, but, but make your case. Uh, my trap is Adam Thielen. And it's only because of, I think very similar to our George Kittle is perceived price. You know, if you can go buy Adam Thielen for a late second on your contending team, you should do that. I agree with that. But I just, I just don't know if you're going to be able to actually get him for that in most leagues. If, if most teams are going to be asking for like the early second, late first range, I just wouldn't pay that for Thielen. Basically, he's been really productive. He's actually been insane this year, kind of. But I think that with these older vets, we see this great early season production, and then they kind of get worn down and start to fall off later in the year. And then once it matters and you're in your fantasy playoffs, we're going to see Adam Thielen just, you know, wore out for the end of the season and it's going to be rough games. And I think that teams are going to be looking to sell high right now and they're not going to take these low prices. And I would just be worried about from a cost point. Yeah, that's fair. He's currently the wide receiver 11 in points per game at 19.6. And that's crazy. And it's not going to maintain. Um, He had one really, really big game with Andy Dalton, the quarterback. And that's, that was like a high attempt game. And Andy Dalton is, is better than Bryce young right now. So that's inflating things a little bit. It's not going to stay there, but it seems like you've got yourself a wide receiver too for the season. Um, I agree with you. I wouldn't pay more than a late second. I don't know that you have to, depending on the league. Again, trying to buy win now pieces off of win now rosters is pretty futile. Like I wouldn't really be trying to do it for anybody really. Right. Um, so I agree with you. Like if, if Thielen's already on a really good team, then, then sure. But if he's on a team that's struggling, if a team that you think might flip the switch, soon to uh to to next year i would monitor it because i think you can get him for that i think you can for what it's worth i have i only have two shares one of them was like part of a bigger trade so it's kind of complicated the other one i actually picked up off of waivers after week one um and it's in like a super sharp league too but they all hated adam Thielen. they were like like jacob sanderson's in that league and he's like you know he was like the number one adam Thielen hater all off season i was right there with him i didn't draft him in best ball or anything but he was just on waivers and I was like, this dude's like running routes. I'll pick him up. Um, so I picked him up and uh, and now he's an every week starter for me. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, that was me with Gino last year. I um I took him in one of my super flex rookie drafts in like the fourth round just because I mean nobody wanted him. They didn't they were wondering if Drew Locke was gonna start. So yeah, just as underappreciated oh, guts you can sometimes get really cheap. 
what a weird league. Uh, yeah. What a weird, weird fan. What a weird game we play. Um, all right. So those are some of our contender buys and some not buys. And as always, it comes down to price. I think we covered the the, the possible price ranges there pretty well. Um, last thing we want to do today, I just want to touch on some quarterback stuff because I had a thought during the Monday night, fo- Sunday night football game where I was watching Brock Purdy just absolutely eviscerate the Dallas Cowboys defense. And I was watching Dak Prescott throw interceptions. Um, and I thought, you know, I kind of would rather have Brock Purdy in dynasty than Dak Prescott. And I don't know if that's reasonable or not. So I need you to, to kind of ground me. Is that, am I off base? Um, I think it's reasonable because like with the way Brock Purdy is played right now, what, where in what world does he not get a second contract with the 49ers? You know, like they're not going to be in a place to draft a better guy. They're, I don't know why they would bring in a different free agent. Hope that works. I just, I don't see a world where Brock Purdy doesn't get like a four year contract, at least after this. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to, I mean, it's impossible to imagine it right now because he's playing out of his mind. I mean, he's an MVP candidate at this point. He's 18 and 0 in games that he's finished. Yeah. 18. He hasn't played. Is it 15? It's, I don't think he's played 18 games. It might be 15. Yeah. He's undefeated in games that he's finished. Right. Yeah. The only game would be the one that in the NFC championship game where he got hurt in like the first quarter. So yeah, yep. you're, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, he's been lights out and we can argue all day and night about QB wins and about how much of it is Purdy and how much of it is Shanahan. It's both, but it's like, it just doesn't matter. Like it, it doesn't because he's under contract with the Niners for the foreseeable future. If he does keep playing like this, he's going to get a huge contract. Like you said, Kyle Shanahan's not going anywhere. It's just, it's just pointless to try to, to try to separate the two. Like Brock Purdy is a Shanahan quarterback and it doesn't matter what he would be somewhere else because he's not somewhere else. He's scoring 20 points per game currently. Um, I think the the number one concern I have with him is the ceiling, right? Like, I don't think that's pretty much the ceiling. He doesn't run. He's as efficient right now as he could ever possibly be. And the Niners are not, going to ever be a pass happy team i looked up their past attempts per game since 2019 they've ranked 31st um it was 30 sorry this is off the top of my head 31st 16th 27th 31st 31st uh and the year they were 16th in pass attempts was the year they finished last in the division because so they were in a bunch of negative game scripts this team isn't finishing last in any division anytime soon they their their main inclination is to to run the ball uh when they get the chance so you you know you're banking on the efficiency and you're banking on touchdown passes and i think you're going to get it um i just i can't push him too high because i just don't think that the ceiling is there but with dak that's where it sort of entered into my mind it's like okay dak's 30 he hasn't been a difference making quarterback in a couple of years he doesn't really run anymore either uh, and now he's in this situation where this Mike McCarthy offense is just sucking the life out of everything and their defense is really good. So they either end up in these like blowout games where he doesn't need to do anything or he ends up in games like this against big, good defenses and their offense isn't good enough. And so it's like a very narrow case where Dak's going to find himself in a shootout and he can actually show how good he is as a quarterback. And I'm kind of just ready to be like done with that. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I agree with everything you said. I mean, I would rank Brock Purdy over Dak Prescott pretty comfortably right now. I think that 
there's a very fair argument for Brock Purdy to be QB 14 in Dynasty right now. Um, on Fantasy Calc is a is a site that I like to use during the seasons. I think they're just a little bit more reasonable than the KTC, the wild shifts we see in KTC. Right. Uh, they have him at QB 12, right above like Jordan Love, Deshaun Watson, Bryce Young, Jared Goff, Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins, Russell Wilson. Like most of those names, you're obviously taking Brock Purdy. Yeah. The only questionable ones are maybe like Deshaun Watson and Bryce Young, but I think I, th- I think so. Yeah, those would be the I, ones where I'm on the fence. Yeah, but I mean Watson, I'd probably take over Purdy, but I think I might just take Purdy over Bryce Young right now. I mean, it's just that I really don't envision unless Brock Purdy gets hurt or just sucks all of a sudden, which I don't see him just sucking. He's right. Bryce Young sucks something. right now, so right. <laughs> So yeah, like, I mean, it seems great. Like this guy was the number one overall pick in the NFL draft, and he was like the 103 in rookie drafts. And now it's like we're gonna take Mr. Irrelevant over him. But I mean, yeah, Bryce Young doesn't run. He's never gonna be a, a mobile quarterback. What what possible success could he have on this Panthers team that's better than what Brock Purdy's doing right now? They get right, him Bryce like Young's anywhere absolute- near 20 points per game. Like one percent outcome ceiling is current Brock Purdy. Yeah, it's like it's like I feel like I'm missing something obvious, like this can't possibly be right, but I, I just think it might be. I just think it might be. I think we have to I think it's just like a Puka Nakua thing where it's like you you get you get like whiplash because of how fast he's moving up the rankings and you think it has to be wrong, but then all the dust settles and you're like, No, he's actually not high enough yet. Um Right. Like, I mean him, six yeah. months ago he was injured and Trey Lance was a starter, and now yeah, I mean, he, right. I think he's a top 13, top 14 dynasty quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the key, right? If he wasn't hurt and Trey Lance was never part of the the, the narrative, he would have moved up a lot earlier. And it wouldn't yep. feel like he was going from like QB 20 to QB 10. He would have already been, you know, in the golf zone at least. And then he would, wouldn't be moving as far. But it feels like it's it's a rocket ship situation because of all the narrative stuff. So I think that's right. I think you're right. And based on that, I do, I do think you could still get him in some spots because I, I don't think – I think there are people with Brock Purdy that it's like found money and they don't know. Like I don't think they know yet that, that what, what they have. No, um, they have to know. A lot of people know, but some people don't. I think some people don't know, and I think you could trade like, – like somebody like Bryce Young, I feel like that would be appealing to, to certain people. Yeah, Watson's probably my probably my barrier right now where I'm. Yeah. I, it would be tough for me because Watson He's also has, over Kyler. But we obviously don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. No, I'm still yeah. taking Kyler. He has that upside. But I think so. Let's just recap here. Who's ahead of him? Um, go ahead and Who's list ahead the names of him? ahead of him. Yeah. So right now it's Stroud. So yes. Richardson. Yes. Tua. Yes. Justin Fields. Oh, God. Um, okay. So so Fields and Watson are probably my my two decision points where I, right. I, I like, I have no idea what to do because field still has the higher ceiling. He's yeah. way more fragile. What would you do? I would I take fields for sure. And I think I would take, I think I would just take priority over Watson. It would feel good, right? Like not having Deshaun Watson on your fantasy team is a good feeling. Like it, yeah. it's like, you, it's like you just got out of the shower and you're just like, you just feel great. Um, and having him is basically the opposite of that. But in terms of actual fantasy production, Watson's been running a whole lot. 
And if he can get the passing side figured out, like that's pretty appealing. Right. He finally had his first good game before the bye. Like he's, he's, he's definitely on the upswing. Yeah. So I don't know. I might wait a couple weeks and see, I don't know. I mean, Purdy can't be any better than he is right now. Um, Yeah. The idea that Jordan love is right behind him is absolutely laughable. Um, Yeah. That's crazy. Jordan love is, is getting exposed. He's right. So then it's Jordan love, Bryce young, Jared Goff. Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins, Russell Wilson, Geno Smith, Sam the, Howell, and those all feel like I'm just yeah. smashing party. Yeah, the, I mean, obviously over those guys. The crazy thing is the fantasy calc's based on real trades, so there are people that are getting absolutely hosed in Jordan Love <laughs> trades right now. I mean, yeah. they are getting like, they are getting just... You can trade Jordan Love dragged. for Bryce Young, according to this. Oh, God, it's so bad. Jordan Love is not good. I'm sorry. <laughs> he just isn't good. Yeah. He, he had a high touchdown rate for three weeks, and everybody lost their minds. Yep. Um, and I, I get it. I mean, Brock Purdy has a high touchdown rate too, but it's just like, well, Jordan just, Love was in the Aaron Rodgers role, so it's just different. You got Aaron <laughs> right. Rodgers prices. He's just different. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna have to think about this some more, but I, I am leaning that way, and I and I would take Purdy. I have a couple Dak shares. I might try to see what I can do. This feels like absolutely the wrong time to send that offer, though. Like, I probably <laughs> shouldn't send it this week. Like, hey, I know your quarterback just made mine look like Jordan Love, um, but Maybe we can swap. Uh, that's probably not a good idea. Maybe I'll wait. You then could probably get week, trade some Jordan Love for Doc Prescott, though. Next week should be good for the Cowboys. The plan, the Chargers, should be a competitive game. It's a softer secondary. So this yep. is kind of like put up or shut up for the whole Cowboys offense. Um, yep. Tony Pollard, please. Like, I'm begging you. Tony Pollard, CeeDee Lamb. Yeah. Please, please stop looking like you're 2022 Ezekiel Elliott and actually like score some points. Uh, break a tackle maybe but if it doesn't happen next week then i don't know um i also wanted to ask you about sam howell because i know you're kind of like a howell fan um and he's scoring so many fantasy points yeah he's currently what is he he's so he's really high qb this is qb 16 in points per game i feel like that's wrong i feel like he's higher than that i think he had one stinker he did have one really bad game but I, I thought he was higher. It doesn't matter. He was really this past week. They lost to the bears. So that's terrible. Um, but he threw 51 times and scored like 30 fantasy points. Yep. Um, do you think, what do you think are the chances that he's actually for real? Like he starts multiple seasons. Um, I'd say right now, I mean, they're, I'd say they're pretty high. I think he will be, I think he will start for the entirety of his rookie contract for the commanders. Okay. Well, that's bold. And if that's, I mean, if you think that, like, you have to be pretty high on him in Dynasty, right? Like, you would trade. Oh, yeah. Would you rather have him than Geno Smith? Yes. That's probably an easy one. Would you rather have him than Kirk Cousins? I'd rather have him than Jared Goff. And You'd Kirk rather Cousins. have him than Jared yeah. Goff and Kirk Cousins. Okay. Yep. I think that's where I stop, though. Okay. You'd rather like, have him than Jordan Love. Well, obviously. <laughs> but once we get to, like, Bryce Young, I think I would rather have Bryce Young. But... You know, the, all those mid-tier guys that are just giving you replaceable production, like just give me Sam Howell for sure. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, because it's like if you lose those, like if you trade one of those guys for him, like what are you really missing out on? They they aren't that good either. They're not difference makers. They're older. Like you can afford to lose that bet. And if you win it, you know, you're, you're getting a lot because he clearly has the skills to score fantasy points. As long as that keeps him in a starting role, 
it's it's going to be valuable. So yeah, yeah, I agree with you there. All right, the di- the landscape is so hard to figure out mid season because everything is just shifting so much. But I think we're seeing some stuff sort of normalize now after four or five weeks, and um, and I'm getting my bearings a bit. But I have a lot to think about. I have some offers to send. I'm going to go try to get some some Brock Purdy. I'm going to go try to get some Raheem Mostert. It's going to be good. Um, those of you out there listening, uh, we do this every week. Chris isn't always here. Sometimes he's here. Um, it's always great when he is here. But uh, we have other guests coming up. I'm going to be talking with Jacob Sanderson next week um, a little bit more about this idea of contending and rebuilding. We'll talk about some more trade targets Hopefully we won't be talking about more injuries and you can find us here, you know, wherever you're watching us. Um, if you could like subscribe or rate or follow whatever the platform you're on does any way you can support the show is really helpful. Um, you can also check out dynastyfootballfactory.com. We've got dynasty rankings that are updated throughout the season and all of the off season. We do, you know, rookie content when it's rookie season, we do in season articles. There's just a lot of content coming out all year round and it's, it's very, very cheap. It's like $20 for the whole year. So check that out. You can also join the Discord. You can talk to me and Chris and the other analysts about your trade questions, about start sits or whatever you, you got going on. So it's a good time. It's it's worth your money. Uh, if you feel like it, you can follow me on Twitter at Paul underscore DFF. You should definitely follow Chris on Twitter at Chris Miles 1017. Uh, Chris, any final thoughts for everybody? Uh, yeah, you know, just don't overreact. Don't freak out if you start Darnell Mooney and just keep chugging along in the long, long fantasy season. Those are very good thoughts. We'll leave you guys with that, and I will see you all next week. Uh-huh.